0: July 1, 2020, it's a Watt for Pedro show! Pedro Show, happy Wednesday, first day of July. Uh still quit in quarantine mode, so Brother Matt's in love grotto three miles south of here. But due to those incredible software engineers in Estonia with their Skype invention, I am not man alone. I have with me Jess Cornelius. Jess, welcome aboard.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much.
0: And you're talking to me from Echo Park?
1: That's right. Yeah. Okay.
0: But I detect an accent.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I uh I'm a New Zealander. Or when I was but, taught, uh, kiwi, because of the fruit or something. Uh, yeah, or the bird. Probably the bird. Or the
0: bird, or the bird. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Um,
0: I first saw like, that bird on uh, shoe polish when I was a boy. We used to have shoe polish, yeah, huh? Uh,
1: and there was kiwi a... shoe polish, yeah. I didn't realize that was a, a an exported uh, item. I didn't know it was exported either, but it was like kind
0: of a puck-sized case.
1: No, I not well, yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, you'd rub it on and buff it up, and yeah, that kind of thing. Wing, wingtips. I should tell the people what we uh, first heard. It was John Coltrane doing Consequences, and then uh, you with the kitchen floor, which I think is your single, right? Yeah, yeah, that was
1: uh, the second. Well, there's there's been another one since then, but yeah, that was the first
0: single. Okay, but the- I, I want to go. I want to go before that, Jess. What is your earliest musical recollection as a person?
1: Um <laughs> i the first song I remember hearing um consciously is was at a at a like a barbecue and with my parents I must have been really little, and it was um last Christmas by is it i don't know if it's wham or if it's um George Michael, but uh yeah, that you know the song. The last Christmas I gave you my heart And the very next day you gave it away You know that that song. He's a um, great singer. He, he, he lived for a
0: while in Southern California.
1: Sorry, what was that? He lived for a while
0: in Southern California. In oh, fact, no, he had a famous incident in a public bathroom in Beverly Hills.
1: Oh, that was Beverly Hills, right. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. Yeah,
0: But, you know... The, <laughs> It's very sad, you know, because we, we we lost him. But incredible uh, singer and musician.
1: Exactly. So, yeah. so
0: your early is a Christmas song, is what you remember at, at a barbecue. Oh yeah, because south of the equator, your seasons are opposite.
1: Yes, yes. It's Christmas is always summer. So, yeah, it's a, it's the beach and eating outside. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I know because I did a a few of those. We called it the big day off because it was like five five gigs in three weeks. But the big day out was this festival. And that was the first time I was to Auckland and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. That was a huge festival for us. You know, that was our only festival. So that was a big deal. So, yeah. Um,
0: So in the house you grew up, were you in the big town? Were you in Auckland?
1: No, no. I I never lived in Auckland. I, I grew up in a town called Narawahia which is um is it's in the north island cuz you know new zealand is two islands and it's sure. in the north island it's sort of in the middle um on the east coast and it's yeah like a tiny town um kind of rural um <laughs> it it was it was kind of a bit of a Oh, how do I explain it? It, w- it wasn't – I guess there would have been farmland around that, but the town itself was um, – I think the reason we lived there was because it was n- It was near another town called Hamilton where my dad worked um, on the hydro power station there, but it, there wasn't a lot going on in Nerewa here. It was kind of a sad – um, it was a bit of a sad place. Um we we were there I think because yeah, Dad was working in the town nearby and we got um we had like a, a bunch of um we had kind of a, a largish bit of land, I think for not much money. So it was it was cool, you know, but we moved um it was a very uh high percentage of um Māori people, so indigenous New Zealand is, and that was great because um, we c- had to learn Maori language. The compuls it was compulsory—and we learned all the dances and all the myths and legends, and it was—it was really cool. Um, and then when I was eleven, we moved to Wellington, which of course um, was very much, much more white, middle class. Um, went to primary school there, and and it was a completely different scene. You know, suddenly um, I had to you know, the kids, everyone had Reeboks and um, these particular kinds of track bands and slash socks and I had none of those things and it was this total culture shock because I came from a town where people didn't have that stuff, you know, to somewhere where, like, you had to have that stuff because you would get pushed against the lockers and told to, you know, like... Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: children are, are are so kind to each other. The William, oh, really There's a kind. William Golden yeah. book called The Lord of the Flies that kind of talks about that. Yeah. Was the house you grow up in, was there music?
1: Yeah, well, we didn't have a television for a really long time. Um, probably till I was about 14 or 15. So, Um, we always had music on and the, you know, you would choose the music for dinner. Like we always sat at the table and, and had dinner at the table and there would always be music and there'd be music on in the mornings, like Sunday mornings. So yeah. And you would, you know, choose the dinner music and someone would choose the, Morning music and yeah, it was always very. My mum also had a guitar lying around. I was going
0: to ask you were Were there instruments? There was a guitar. Yeah, just
1: just a guitar. So, my mum was a kindergarten teacher when she was when we were really little before we were born, and then uh, so yeah, she had a guitar lying around, which I tried. I I tried to get lessons when I was eight. I think I was eight, and it was. I was in like a class that was too advanced. I sort of gave up. I didn't. Couldn't understand any of it, and then I started again. Uh, I had a primary school teacher. Yeah, I went was up, going to ask what, you. In school, was,
0: was, yeah. was it, were you in so, the choir or the like the marching band or shit like that? Well,
1: primary school in prim, well, primary school is what I guess I would call. So when I was probably ten, I started playing guitar um, a little bit because we had a teacher who taught us, and then um, and then when I went to high school in Wellington. Um, yeah, I took music, but it was pretty stuffy. It was like, you know, I felt a little bit adrift because a lot of the people who took music had grown up learning piano and they had this theoretical background and I never had that. I never learned piano. I didn't have a grounding and theory at all. So, uh, I struggled a little bit with, you know, that side of things. And, and there was a choir, it was kind of our, our high school was like, had this really fancy choir that. Um, You had to audition and everything. And uh, I don't think I got in. (laughs) Um, I think I played trumpet in the orchestra. I was pretty good at trumpet, like not the theory part, but I could get, you know, all the really high notes. Um, Yeah, because a lot of it's the lip. That's it, yeah. Yeah, People think it's the
0: valves, but it's actually the lip. If you think about a bugle, it don't even have valves.
1: That's it, yeah. It's all about the pressure. So you can play one, you know, one fingering and get, 10 different sounds. Right,
0: right. But, Jess, um, can I ask you, what was the first record you bought yourself?
1: Um, the first record I bought myself, there were two on cassette. Um, and I remember it was like, you know, for my birthday or Christmas or something, there was a store called The Music Man, local music store. And one was um, Paula Abdul, Um that's it, might have been a single actually. It was, um, <laughs> it was, it was that song, Straight Up, Don't Tell no, You. I know, she, she, uh, uh, helped, oh, she helped, oh, oh. uh,
0: organize the cheerleaders for the Los Angeles Lakers. I know about it, Paula Abdul. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And what was so the other one? It was one of her singles, and then the other one was Wilson Phillips. Um, oh,
0: yeah, the the
1: Beach Boy, uh, Brian Wilson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I obviously John started up. Started From off Mama's on a bit Pupers. of a pop, then. Um, what about the first gig? What was the first
0: gig you saw?
1: The first gig I saw, um, well, the first gig I saw, not really of my own volition, was uh, I went with my grandmother <laughs> to see Dion walk. Ah, uh, she can see Yeah. Um,
0: can
1: so that was that was kind of funny. It's a good um, first gig.
0: You know what my first gig was?
1: What's that? T Rex. That's pretty nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's a bit cooler. Everybody um,
0: says that. Look, I want to play um, No Difference.
1: Okay. And it all feels harder
0: than
2: normal. And you can't believe it's happened dark. So you concentrate hard on your breathing. Cause it's easier than feeling what you feel Heaven and hell is only a concept How they
0: Rochelle, yeah, no difference. Jess Cornelius and K Salit, after that, that's K Black Flag with Broken Bilch Pump out of Leeds. This is the last Bilch Pump tune I've played, like I think 40 of their tunes in a row 38 of them. And uh, Gondwana Girl, Pat Ruth and Smear, Pat from the Germs, with his first solo record late 80s called Blue Punk Funk, Maya from the City. Interlude, tension in the loin. It's got uh, apostrophe, so I think it's abbreviation for tenderloin, which can be a heavy neighborhood. And then finally, body memory from Jess Cornelius. So, Jess, what about the stuff where, like after school, in the bedroom or the basement or the garage band, you know, with your buddies? Did you do any of that stuff?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've started writing songs on my mom's guitar. I wrote these, like, weird blues songs, um, like, I kind of, I think that's the first, I guess, form that I learnt. So I wrote a lot of very sort of traditional sle- traditional sounding blues stuff. I was listening to um, a lot of, like, Maddie Waters and, um, and I was also listening to Nina Simone and, um, and like my parents had these records. And then in high school, I also uh, was, when I was at 15, I was dating this guy who was really into um, all these old uh, blues artists as well as like Neil Young and things like that. So we started writing together um, and we had a band. We had several bands. When I was 15, I had this terrible band called Sitting Pretty, which is a terrible name, and we – Entered. They, there was this thing called the Rock what, the Rock Quest, and um, all the high schools would you know enter. It was like a battle of the bands, and so we we came like we we were fine. You know, we were finalists one year. I think when I was sixteen, we were finalists in this band, and so we, we used to practice at the drummer's house. Um, she had this cool A-frame seventies house, and we used to practice there. Um, in her bedroom I think and yeah other than that I just wrote songs at home Um, and also at high school we had to perform some of these songs so I was lucky because to pass my exams um, or pass my end of year you know mark um, the the teacher let let me perform my own songs which he didn't normally do but um, I think because I was making music that wasn't kind of like what the other people in the class were making. There was one other girl who who was quite similar to me. We would write these weird sort of um, indie rock songs and uh, and yeah, perform them for school assessments. Which was good that he would let us do that, and I I, I passed.
0: You're talking about original material versus like copying off records and shit.
1: Well, I think I think the idea was that if if people normally he would he would. This teacher would get people to perform, you know, classical compositions, and so the the composition. His theory was that if it was, it wouldn't be as difficult to play if you wrote it. If it was like a, if it was like an instrumental co- composition. So, but he he dropped that rule for us. So so me and this other girl could play our own our own, you know, contemporary music. Um, and
0: own, he popped your, up, own, your own compositions. Yeah. Yeah, and and these compositions were they instrumental or did you sing?
1: Oh no, I sang. Okay, I had this Okay. One.
0: Well, you said like he, he like uh, old classical instrumentals. Yeah,
1: yeah. He was mostly in that realm, and so most of the students were also in that realm. That you know, growing up playing, um, you know, little Beethoven um, pieces. But he, he let us, he passed us, you know, playing our rock songs, you know, and with our bands. You know, I got my band to turn up at school. You know, the boys. You're talking the, the, about Sitting
0: sitting Pretty.
1: Yeah, yeah. goddamn Can you, can to turn you up tell me school.
0: about the first Sitting Pretty gig?
1: Well, I think, because I was still at high school, we, we probably only played, um, actually, we might have played in, someone else's living room like at high school but from what i remember we only played these battle of the bands compositions which is sort of weird i mean i didn't at that point um we couldn't go into pubs or anything and my friends my other friends were not really into like a music scene or um there was yeah there was no pub music scene for us at that point um the drinking age and New Zealand, like it is here, was, you know, 20 or 21. Um, yeah, we
0: a gig is, we, uh, is just playing for people. I, I, I want to hear about the first time you played for people with Sitting Pretty.
1: Oh, it well. It can be in a uh, living
0: room. That's okay.
1: Oh, yeah. Actually, we we did do another show. Um, that's right. I'm just remembering that. It's a long time ago. We used to – that's right. It's okay. We used to hire out um, – yeah, in my last year of high school um, – I don't know if the band still had that name or if it was just I was doing my own name, uh, going with my own name. But but we used to hire because we couldn't play in pubs. We used to hire these halls and put on gigs there. Um, So there was a hall called Thistle Hall in Wellington, and uh, yeah, we used to we played a gig there. I remember, and I think that was it. Scary? Were you into it? Oh, I was always into performing, yeah. I don't remember ever really feeling nervous. Um, oh, wow. Okay. So maybe it was your calling from the get-go. <laughs> I mean, of course I still, I mean, I do get nervous now. It depends if what I'm doing is, if I am if I feel like I'm, you know, have playing a new song or something like that. I mean, I'm sure I was nervous. I just don't remember it. But okay. I, I'm just
0: always curious about the first gig because, you know, that's how you got into this.
1: Now, yeah now, after no high I just loved. I just wanted to perform from the get-go I mean I was in like school plays and I was you know I was I loved being on stage I was just one of those <laughs> annoying kids I guess that was now, yeah well, now,
0: after school
1: did you go to college for music yeah I went well sort of I <laughs> I went to this um this like private I mean not private it was this it was this really strange music school, con- contemporary music school. And it was supposed to be one year, two years. It ended up only being one year because the course had so many problems and it was sort of independently accredited um and it was, it was contemporary, you know, so it was, we learned, um, we learned technology and performance and composition, but, and you had to sort of audition to get in, but it wasn't, it wasn't like, really in reality it was sort of like a lot of um people who from all different ages i mean this was amazing for for me because it wasn't like going to college where everyone's 17 it was you know there were people in the course who were 25 who were 30 and a lot of the people had sort of been doing all these other things and then they decided they wanted to study music and join bands but really i mean all we did was smoke a lot of weed and um make and form bands you know and um and play music, which was great. Well, but, yeah, yeah, it's a music school, right? <laughs> <that>. <laughs> you know, um, it was great for me because I was fresh out of high school. Um, for some of the other older people, I think probably it wasn't as, you know, academically fulfilling. But for me, it was this huge eye-opener because I, I moved down to this town called Nelson in New Zealand, which was a, a kind of a fruit-picking town. There wasn't a lot going on. Again, we still couldn't play in bars, so we had we used to put on these gigs in these community halls. Um, and I had so I had a bunch of different bands. I had like a metal band called Glistening Fist. Yeah, <laughs> and we played at a primary school. We played why, at a why, primary why didn't
3: school.
0: you give me some Glistening Fist to play on the show?
1: I have no idea where those recordings are. Okay. Um, I good. mean, I'm sure there's someone. That's a good to, reason. <laughs> yeah, I've moved moved so many times, moved sure, countries sure, sure. And cities. But yeah, I had a metal band called Glistening Fist, um, and then I had a band with this friend of mine called F. I don't know why E-T-H and why that name existed. Um, and yeah, I had a bunch of different bands, and at that time... You know, I was dating um, this guy who was in this band who played at the Big Day Out, which was a big deal, you know, and they were going on tour and um, everything was music. I mean, all we did, it was, it was just his band and my band and a bunch of other bands, and all we did was music. But the problem was is that at that point we had terrible taste. So I was listening to all
0: this. <laughs> were you aware, I was, aware of, can I like, ask you, Jess, if you were aware yeah. of Flying Nun
1: records? Have I heard of them? Do I know them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but at that time when you were a girl. Yeah, well, this is is the kind of embarrassing thing, right, is that when I was at home in Wellington, that stuff, my parents used to listen to, um, like, the student radio. My parents have really great taste, and they were listening to the student radio, and the student radio used to play all of this Flying Nun music and the Dunedin sound. And, um, you know, there was this television series I remember seeing before I – left high school, which was on it really late at night, and it was called Topless Women Talk About Their Lives. And it was these 10-minute series. Um, and they it, the whole soundtrack was Flying Nun music um, from the late 80s and early 90s, and the chills and the clean and the bad. Yeah, bass I was going to say,
0: but you know, now I understand. If it's your parents' music, it's kind of an inclination for the children want to have their own thing.
1: Yeah, and so... so... that makes
0: sense. See, I I forget that I'm 62. (laughs) Because, (laughs) no, a lot of you cats, you might be 30 years, 40 years younger than me, but you can relate. It's way different than when I was a kid. Uh, You know what I mean? There's a really level playing field of people in music now. So I forget sometimes. Look, we're at the end of the first hour. June 20... No, it's July 1, 2020. Special guest Jess Cornelius... Hold that for hour two. July 1, 2020. It's the second hour of the Watt for Pedro show.
2: You and I don't talk about what happened anymore. Friends, I'll go out less than I did before. But every now and then, I see you at a bar in town. And I wonder, would I be happier, baby, if I never found you out? Who's I-
0: Pedro, show we started the second hour off with Jess Cornelius doing "Love and Low Self Esteem," which sometimes yeah run hand in hand. Yeah. Sometimes it's a remedy, though. Sometimes it ain't. <laughs> That's but. It. But then we had Mike Ragnetta. He's back to his one, uh, twenty month, uh, twenty minute song a month. He had a couple months off there, but he's back with uh, "Superheated" and finally uh, "Jealousy" from Jess Cornelius. So. Kind of another love, or dealing with the love issue. Uh, Okay, so um, after this school that you went to, what what was the name of it, by the way? It was called the Nelson School of Music. Ah, since it was in Nelson, the fruit picking town. That's it. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. So, what happened after that to you, Jess?
1: So after that, I was hanging around in Nelson for another six months with my band and my boyfriend's band, and uh, and at this time, and I was just working in a cafe, um, and yeah, you know, making music. And it's a tiny town; there's nothing going on. So everyone at this point in in uh, New Zealand all the bands were moving to Melbourne in Australia. That was like the thing that everyone was doing. So there was She Had, there was um, Fur Patrol, there was this band called, um, I forget the name. She Had and Fur Patrol were the two big ones. There was another band that were moving, that, that relocated to Melbourne. So my boyfriend's band and my band, we decided, you know, we've all got to go to Melbourne. This is where the music scene is, this is where everything is happening. So I got my band, which was this this woman and her husband. Um, her hu- she convinced her husband to move to Melbourne as well. Um, so we, my parents bought me a one way ticket, bless them, and uh, I moved to Melbourne and with this band, with this bass player at least, and her husband.
0: And was that easy to per- do to go between New Zealand and Australia? Is it what? Was it easy to do, like immigrate or whatever?
1: Uh, yes, yes. Because I mean, uh, legally it's easy. You you could at that point. Um, it's a little different now, but at that point you could go over. You you didn't have to. I mean, you still don't really have to have a visa or anything. Um, but you can't these days. You can't like get social security and stuff as easily. But 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 in those days you could go over and in in sixteen uh, months kind of be on the dole, like if you wanted, you know, (laughs) um, if you needed to. Um, so yeah, you could just go over and I had a cousin there. So I stayed with my cousin for a few months. Um, and my, the whole plan was to go with my boyfriend's band, you know, and they never came. They just never came. So, uh, he, you know, they were all kind of stoners and he, they ended up getting this this tour that they stayed for and then um they stayed longer and then the singer had kids and all this sort of stuff. So so it was kind of funny because it was sort of their idea really. Um they were very serious about about their music, about their careers and, and in the end they, they never left. Um oh he did you know some of them did eventually but
0: you know uh, I want to play something here. Yeah. It's called Teeth and Tongue. is this where this starts
1: This starts a little later. Yeah. Okay. So Teeth and Tongue I'd been in Melbourne for um, probably not eight eight years before Teeth and Tongue started. So I, oh, wow, um, a
0: long time.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was making music in Melbourne for like nineteen years. So I um I had a band called so my the the. the Bass player that I came over with. We had a band called The Media, um, another terrible name. We started playing gigs around. Uh, I was orga- I was organizing these gigs. I mean, I had no idea where to start in Melbourne. I didn't know anyone in music. I I I was playing open mic nights for the first year. Just I didn't. I had no idea. No idea where to start. Um, I was going to like Bush off raves with these friends who were making trance music because that's the friends that I kind of fell in with. But no one was making the music that I was making. I felt I felt like I spent, you know, several years in Melbourne, probably the first four or five years, kind of adrift in terms of music. Like I was just making the music I was making, but no one I knew was, you know, I didn't know, I didn't have a scene or like um anything like that and it took years and then i, I just gradually found my people i guess but uh, i had another project called Jess Cornelius something um the Jess Cornelius Disorder i think and then uh i was playing a gig at this bar called Pony it was like kind of a really well known like late night they used to open they used to have gigs at 2am which was cool <laughs> and uh i was playing the show and I had this terrible drummer who was also an arsehole. I mean, a complete arsehole. And uh, he, uh, this other, you know, someone came up and said, hey, I know a better drummer, you know, you should get him. And so I met this guy called Jay. And then we started this band called um, Moscow Schoolboy. Um, And I just got a job in a guitar shop and the other guy i worked with at the guitar shop was our bass player so we had this band called moscow Schoolboy for years we got a label deal in sydney and we'd go up to sydney and play shows up in sydney and uh i'd do this thing where i'd like just you know climb on the you know sort of cliched and stupid i'll climb on the, the tables in the bar and sing and you know all this sort of crap and then um i mean it was you know it was fun it was just it's just sort of drunken. And, and then, uh, and then eventually Moscow Schoolboy broke up around 2007 and in 2008, I, uh, I managed to, I well, I applied for a grant cause in Australia you can get all these government grants, you know, and I was like a, I had full, full, like, you know, like I could get all the government grants at that point. I was considered like a permanent resident or a citizen, not a citizen, but I was a permanent resident. So I applied for this government grant to make a record and I got like $6,000 at that point to make this record. And so I made it. So that was when Teeth and Tongue started. I was I, It was a solo project and I was already making, I had a, a version of Logic um, that I ripped off that I was living in this crazy warehouse with all these other musicians who were making like hip hop and stuff. So someone had given me this huge bank of drum sounds um, and I was making drum beats like beat by beat on a grid on logic. And I started writing this music that was sort of had, um, electronic drums and guitars and stuff. And so that was teeth and tongue. And then the first record I made, I got it this with, with that project, um, because I'd made EPs and stuff before with, with Moscow Schoolboy, and one of them, one of the songs I got played on the national radio station and everything. And then, yeah, Teeth and Tongue um, was a solo project, but the producer that I ended up working with, he was a great producer, but he wanted to put everything in that I'd done as real instruments. So I'd kind of been using all these kooky, like, synthesized sounds and fake drums and weird, like, fake roads and stuff and he wanted to replace them all with like a real roads and a church and real drums and everything like that and it was cool but it ended up being a a really different record than i think i wanted it to be but that was the first record and um that did okay you know i got a song on a bunch of radio i want to play uh callback Mm mm-hmm this is much later teeth and tongue but it's still that same
2: When the talking gets old And faces they bleed into each other And the bitterness grows And the emptiness can't be filled any longer Call back, ask me to be When you'll call back Asking me all the right questions
3: Worthwhile, you just want. Light up your face with gladness, hide every trace of sadness, although a tear may be ever so near. It's the time you must keep on trying. Smile, what's the use in crying? You'll find that life still worthwhile. You just smile. keep on trying. Smile, what's the use in crying? You'll find that life still worthwhile if you just smile.
0: Pedro Show. Yeah. Uh, Teeth and Tongue, but not early Teeth and Tongue. Uh, Much more recently. uh, callback. Before that, Dex Romweber. Incredible guitar man. North Carolina with Smile. uh, Had that band Flat Duo Jets with the drummer man just named uh, Crow. His name's Crow. Uh, Ill, these four ladies from England, gave me their CD after a gig once at the... What was it called? Stairs. God, the 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 boss was a lady. She had all these bourbons. But anyway, that's Kremlin. God damn. It's a great place to play. <laughs> so like the, the quietest is there, uh, if you know this w- website and they're located there. But after that, uh, Thorn Friends out of Austin with the Resist, Round Eye out of Shanghai. Guess who's coming to dinner? Hey, Judge. And then finally, Do Harm from teeth and tongue. So, solo band it gets a big helping hand from a producer. hmm But you kept the you kept this project going, evidently.
1: Yeah, and yeah, it we lasted, made
0: lasted longer than the producer.
1: Definitely. Well, it, it it became kind of so I put a band together to play the record live. Um, so it became kind of a live band thing, and then. Um, the second, I think uh, we then, so we had a live drama, and then I kind of s- stopped using the live drama, and we were doing shows just with a 505 drum machine, you know, a Roland 505 drum machine, and a guitarist and a bass player, and me playing guitar as well. So two guitars, bass player, and a uh, Roland 505 and i had this guitarist called mike reguero mcculvey and he ended up being in the band for the rest of the time that it existed he was very in, in, instrumental in the in the sound of the record um sound of the band sorry in the end um he played a lot of um he was kind of came from this real 90s grunge um noise kind of scene what was the big band silver chair <laughs> no, well, that was earlier. That was when I was a teenager. Yeah, that's now,
0: 90s, right? That's like that 90s. Was 90s. Yeah, I think but... of grunge. I think of uh, But then I also met a young guy. He's still going. Wolf Mother.
1: Oh, yes. I forgot about that band. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which that I, I liked
0: a little better. And I, yeah. In fact, I got to meet this guy, Andrew, and great cat. Look, uh, just we're right at the end of the second hour, twenty. Uh, no, 1st of July, 2020. Uh, people, special guest, Jess Cornelius, hold tap for hour three. July 1, 2020, it's the third hour of the watch for Pedro Show. start off the third hour with teeth and tongue doing "Sad Song," the original. I guess there was another version. Mm-hmm. And then "Faux Fum," uh, that's from Crane and myself. I mean, from a long time ago. Crane had a tape of this one day, a live practice. I think that that band only did one gig. Crane himself, with what am I supposed to do? He's living up in Idaho these days. Uh, some Nomad Eel stuff, Living Mars with Transition, Atlantis Aquarius with Deja Voodoo, and finally, Good Man from Teeth and Tongue. So look, how did you get to Echo Park? Uh,
1: so I made my final record with Teeth and Tongue in 2016. Well, we put it out in 2016. Um, and at that point, the the band had really kind of become like a four-piece band in a way, um, or five-piece. We also had a keyboardist. Um and i wasn't really playing solo much anymore um but things were going well you know things had been going re- really well we'd you know sort of established ourselves in australia and we could tour and everything and i was i'd come to the states a few times to play cmj or south by or do tours and things and um you know it was good but it just felt like i'd reached this point there where i couldn't you know, do much more uh in that you know musical climate, and I also just i guess in my life I wanted um a big change i wasn't uh yeah i kind- i'd been i hadn't planned to be in Melbourne for eighteen nineteen years and i' so i just um I had I, I had, had a, a US visa before, so I um I applied for another one, which is kind of a big ordeal if you've ever tried yeah, to get no, it. No, I've
0: heard about it. It's
1: terrible. Um so I managed to get an 01 visa, um, which is, you know, the, the artist visa for three years. And so I just decided to move here, you know, rather than come and try and do like bits and pieces. I was like, Well, I'll just move, you know. And I had also just made a solo E P um, under my own name, you know, for the first time in a long time. So I put that out and I had, you know, a bit of bit of publicity happening in it in the US and things. So I I just moved over and um and I and I also got a tour with Paul Kelly, which is who's like a this you know Australian artist, and so I came and did a did this big US tour with him on his bus um 24 states. And then just and then just stayed um, for a few months in L.A. and, and thought, well, I'll just see if L.A. is where I want to be, you know, rather than like New York or whatever. And when I went to New York, everyone was like, hey, it's a great city, but don't move here. You know, it's really hard to move here, like to live here. And when I went to L.A., everyone was like, yeah, it's a great city to live. You know, so I, I, I decided on L.A. and um, and I loved it. You know, it was a weird place initially. It's, it's compared to a place where, you know, I've always grown up in places I can walk around very easily and uh you know walk from a to b ride my bike from a to b not be very car reliant so yeah it was a it was a shock but the people i met initially were just i met you know i was really lucky and i met a bunch of um i used to go to Zebulon all the time and Bootleg all the time and um and the Moroccan lounge I just used to i just went to gigs you know gigs and gigs and gigs and and met people and um and I ended up, yeah, meeting great musicians and starting, you know, I had a, a drummer by the first month and, and then, yeah, and a bass player. So I had a band and I moved into a house which had a practice room, you know, because they were all musicians. So we had a practice room in the house um, with drums and a PA and everything. So I just got really lucky, you know. It was a really good um, place to to start in L.A. Um, and started playing shows, Yeah.
0: You know, we got a couple more teeth and tongue uh, songs that you gave me, so Mm -hmm. let's listen, let's listen.
2: to mm-hmm.
4: drums I'm fucking freaking out i freaking out I'm freaking out I'm freaking out I'm freaking out I'm freaking out, I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. and the stars that glow in the dark, you know, that glow that's so absurd, the Buddha was bubbling on down the road, so I decided to have a word with the bullets and stars that glow in the dark. You know that glow, that's so absurd. to the suns, passed on the ammo, kept running his mouth while I stood there going, but, but, then I decided to go remind him in no uncertain terms of the most unkindest up and honked his little red nose, just a reindeer, just some clown, just another know-it-all fool, I took on a stroll. The know-it-all fool I took on a stroll Yeah, I took to school to fuck off in study hall with to show and tell Saturday detention oh well what's time anyway when you can sit and spin inside a mind inside a universe inside a dopey grin On the face of the head and heart that pumps the blood and the breath to the silly little the killer, the killer, the killer of life and death. Man, what's the time anyway when you can sit and spin inside a mind, inside a universe, inside a dopey grin. On the face of the head and the heart that pumps the blood and the breath to the silly little killer of life and death right can kill life and death when you can kill life and death and particularly particularly death it sounds like this
2: Thank you.
0: music for this edition. We had uh, Teeth and Tongue with Turn, Turn, Turn. Uh, Iggy and the Stooges, live in Tokyo, 2004. This is I Want to Be Your Dog, but the double dog. We used to play. in these days, for some reason, we would play I Want to Be Your Dog twice. So the second time around, Iggy called the double dog. <laughs>
4: Brother
0: Steven plays Uh OMFU, which is Old Man Fuck You out of Knoxville, Tennessee, with that silly little killer of life and death. Uh, Mike Begetta and Henry Kaiser Mike Bagetta living in Knoxville. Henry Kaiser up in Santa Cruz when he ate skin diving at, at uh, Antarctica. Uh shorter duet from June twenty twenty. Uh Groove Crater Myth has Brother Phil up and Big Bear with Meanwhile Under the Rainbow. And finally Cupcake, another original version from Teeth and Tongue. So what's your next
1: plan, Jess? Uh, well, I I have a one-week-old baby <laughs> now. So it's probably uh, to raise the baby. Sorry.
0: The next plan is probably to raise the baby.
1: Raise the baby, but I have you know I have this record coming out on on uh, the twenty-fourth of July, so it's all happening at once. I still wanted to make one more video. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen. I have like two weeks to make a video. Um, but we'll see so um we'll see how how she goes with the next couple of weeks of her life um and i plan to tour you know when we can tour again um with probably with with my daughter so uh it's going to be a challenge you know it's going to be different to every other sort of musical phase of my life um but the the record you know that i'm about to put out i feel like is you know i'm excited about it and there's there's people helping me out and there's you know i feel like i've kind of invested in it so i want to follow through with that as much as i can and play it live and um yeah i i feel good about it but it's definitely going to be a different a different yeah a different situation this time around but i you know i i, I never ever intend to stop making records so um that's or touring, um, you know really where can people find you on the internet? So, well, I mean, everywhere, I guess. Um, you know, well, it's just on the, on all the streaming platforms, blah, no, blah, but, blah. but
0: is there a Jess Cornelius website?
1: Yeah, there is actually. Thank yes. God. Yeah. <laughs> because
0: that's like having your own fanzine. There's no middleman, yeah. right? No filter. Yeah. You can put your flyers on those other telephone poles. That That's okay. But to have your own, I think that's important, you know.
1: That's it. Yeah. So dot com. Right. And people, it's it's got one L because a lot of Cornelius has two L's. Yeah, right. Yeah. Didn't know that.
0: I did because I was searching around. Oh. (laughs) And uh, yeah, more conventional ways too, but you're unconventional. Look, look, I want to ask you if somebody young, like a young woman or young Hmm. man or even your daughter, wanted to get in this music racket, what kind of advice would you give?
1: Um, I mean, I'd say do it for sure and uh, just have um, – this is going to sound terrible. Have low expectations in terms of what you think, the you know, the world is going to give you, but do it for your own reasons, you know, because that'll you'll keep going forever if you're doing it because you just love Making music and because there's a lot of shit that comes with it, you know, as I'm sure you you would know, you know, there's it's not always easy and it's not always rewarding and there's a lot of free work that you do all the time, but if you just feel compelled to keep making music, you just keep doing it. So, uh, you know, and eventually people will get on board, I guess.
0: Yeah, I always uh, tell myself whenever you play what you're invested in the next time you play. Yeah. That's it. Okay. Yeah. And not all payment
1: is from the coin. That's it. That's yeah. exactly right. That's exactly
0: right. Jess, it's been a big honor to have you on the show. I wish oh, you likewise. success with the new music. and you, you. Yeah, and you know, raising the family and everything. I mean, it's great. It's great. Thank yeah. you so much. People, Thank it's been the uh, oh, quite well, July 1, 2020 July one, twenty twenty, Watt for Peter. So everybody, keep your powder dry.